Hello and welcome to the PR Week, PR Week's regular weekly roundup of everything that matters in the worlds of PR and communications. My name's Steve Barrett. I'm the editorial director of PR Week. Going to guide you gently through another show in August, but plenty still going on. I've got my co-host with me, Frank Washkirk. He's back from vacation. How are you doing, Frank? Doing well. Thanks for having me on, Steve. Did you have a good time off? Had uh, a great time. Did you miss us? Oh, just a bit, yeah. You didn't, did you? Uh, Come on, <laughs> be honest. Anyway, it's good to uh, have you back. Yes, and it's we're going to be back. Yeah, and uh, we've got a bunch of interesting news stories to chat about this week. We've got our 40 under 40 class of 2023, which we launched. Erin Gentry moved from SJR. She's got a new gig. Hotwire, the... Uh, Agency that's part of the holding company, Anero, has uh, re- released their full year financials. We're going to get an update on Threads and X. Wouldn't be a show without those two things. But first of all, we've got a fantastic guest, a returning guest. It's Catherine Freimark, who's EVP of Corporate Communications at Mattel. Catherine, how are you doing? Steve, I'm glad to be back. Thank you for having me. Hi, Frank. Hi, how are you? I'm great. Yeah, last time you were with us, you were at Discovery, and um, we had a, a rather austere sort of studio, and you came in. Now we've got this fancy setup, and you're in California gallivanting around, you know, with all the all the fancy people. But it's been quite a summer, hasn't it, for Mattel? Barbie has literally taken over the world, pretty much, it seems. And um, it's been something of a summer of women that headlined by Barbie. What's your reflections of it as we sort of move toward September and, and what's happened over the last few months? Well, it really has been, you know, we call it a pink tsunami. And, and you know, it has um, <laughs> yeah. everything we'd hoped for and more. It certainly is the summer of Barbie. And I love to hear you describe it as the summer of women and, you know, reading all the narratives on, you know, the impact of the Barbie movie. Um, you know, the, the women multiplier effect that's been written about, the Taylor Swift concerts, you know, the it's just been wonderful to see. And, you know, I'd love to say that we, we saw this all coming, but, um, you know, we knew when we set out both to create, you know, a Mattel Films division here, but also with our partners on the Barbie movie, we, we always knew this would be more than a movie. Um, but it would be a cultural event. And I, I can say that it is a cultural phenomenon yeah, and something really that we're just incredibly proud of. People getting dressed up in couples, the guys joining in as well, everyone getting in their pink glad rags and going to the cinema and sort of hanging out. So it really has created a cultural moment, hasn't it? Yes, it's, it's been it's been a joy to see. And it, and also it's a great moment for cinema. I mean, it's a great moment for, for Mattel and for Barbie and her evolution as a brand um, and and her cultural relevance uh, for our partners at Warner Brothers, for the filmmakers, Greta Gerwig, our partners at Lucky Chap. I mean, this has been just unbelievable. But also, as I said, for cinema. I mean, I've seen some research that said, you know, I think 20% or more of people who've gone to the Barbie movie haven't been um, to a physical theater since pre-pandemic. And so um, there's been a lot of wonderful milestones and records and firsts with this film and, and just something that we're all incredibly proud to be a part of. Yeah, and it, there was this sort of Barbieheimer effect, wasn't there, where people would go and see both films or they would talk about them together. It was kind of odd. That was, that one you definitely couldn't have predicted, I don't think, could you? What did you make of all that? 
Yeah, well, you know, that's really the the consumers and the fans taking hold of a moment and, you know, creating, you know, creating the the concept of Barbenheimer. And, you know, it's been it's been fun to see. And and again, fun to see people um, rediscovering the theater experience. And, And so for us, that was been um terrific to see and 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 to join in on for sure i mean everything from you know the incredible um film marketing and publicity engine that warner brothers put together you know the decades of the barbie brand expertise that came to play here in amplifying uh the film 165 individual consumer products partnerships uh, related related to Barbie the movie created this cultural moment. Tell us a bit about one how you work with Warner Brothers on something like this. You know, as a brand, obviously um, they're the filmmakers, they're the experts on that. You you've got the brand, so tell us a little bit about how that partnership works. Sure. Well, you know, I I've been here nearly three years, but this journey started a long time ago. Um, our CEO Enon cries. Um, when he took the the CEO role in 2018, you know, one of his first uh, F, uh, endeavors was to create the Mattel Films division and and start the ball rolling really on on the Barbie movie. And uh, and Warner Brothers, you know, has been um, at our side and and supportive of the film, you know, from day one. And then the opportunity for all of us at Mattel, you know, I represent corporate communications and telling our our corporate narrative around this. But the Barbie brand marketing and PR team, our consumer products team, um, combined in, with Warner Brothers publicity and film, film marketing engine, just created something really, really special and, and really understood, I think, how to reach out to the, those consumers. If you saw the campaign, it was geared towards both the Barbie fan from childhood to people that that maybe um, aren't up to date on what Barbie stands for today. So showing that the film had something for everyone and really, you know, Barbie has gone on an evolution. We've talked about this before, I think, Steve, in that brand. Barbie is the most diverse doll line in the market now. Over a hundred different body shapes, styles, skin tones, ethnicities, and is really, you know, much more than a doll. Um, she is she is a, a cultural icon, and so um, creating something that was that was wonderful and full of Easter eggs for the original Barbie fan, and and something for you know everyone to enjoy. You know, really credit goes to Greta Gerwig on creating a film really for everyone that had something in it um, yeah. for, for every fan. So it's a wonderful thing to see. Yeah, you mentioned the diversity push and how Barbie's a very different person, <laughs> right. I call her a person, um, than, <laughs> than 20, 10, 20 years ago. And um, you're never going to satisfy everyone, are you? Even though there's 100 different Barbies, yeah, I think there's always – people who say well what about this or what about that how do you what what do the fans say that they want next you know what do they want barbie to migrate into next in terms of making sure that agenda continues you know and that, that she does represent all um all parts of the population yeah i mean certainly our fans come up with you know lots of great ideas and the barbie brand team i mean barbie's 64 years old and has had you know, 200 careers and counting, you know, there was uh, Barbie uh, has run for president, you know, almost every year um, and and was on, you know, went to space before, 
humankind walked on the moon. So Barbie has been inspiring the limitless potential in every girl for for a long time. And so, you know, the team has done, you know, a great job on the on the on the Barbie brand team of um, creating um, Barbie something for everyone to find something that they see themselves in 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 the brand. That's been really a focal Yeah, point. we've just had the end of the Women's Soccer World Cup. Is there a soccer Barbie, or am I missing that? Has that already there happened? Has been, yeah, certainly Barbie um, in, in sports, in the Olympics. Um, and so Barbie's really been part of the cultural conversation uh, for a long time and and in celebrating um, everything that uh, is possible for for young girls and showing showing young girls and that they can be anything. Yeah, it's incredibly impactful, isn't it? And you talked about the summer of women and it, these cultural moments really do change change things and uh, it's it's I guess a great responsibility as well as a, a great product and a great brand and you know evolution. How how do you um, manage that sort of responsibility, you know, as brand guardians and and realizing that this is really important stuff and is changing the world. Right. Well, we do. We do take that responsibility very seriously and just sort of um, backing that out a little bit. Mattel broadly takes our responsibility to our mission and to our purpose very, very seriously across all of our brands and all the products that we create. And and we like to say every one of our brands has a reason to be. You know, we we take very seriously the fact that, you know, these are these are items that children hug they they take to to bed with them at night that they have these memories of and and so we take that very seriously and just like you know i mentioned barbie's brand purpose is inspiring the limitless potential in every girl hot wheels similarly um is um you know all about the challenger spirit igniting the challenger spirit in kids and so so we do take that we don't take ourselves very seriously as you saw in the film <laughs> Steve, Mattel gets uh, gets in on the fun, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but we take what we do that we put out in the world very, very seriously. Yeah, you mentioned Hot Wheels, and now obviously everyone's looking at, well, well okay, it's worked really well with Barbie. What are we going to do with the other brands? Tell us a bit about that. And uh, is Hot Wheels going to become the next Fast and Furious? Well, you know, uh, again, as, as our CEO likes to say, when he was launching, we were launching the film division, you know, so much opportunity in our untapped treasure trove of IP. You have Fast and Furious, I think 10 now, and Hot Wheels Zero. You know, we have <laughs> announced 14 film, other films in development beyond Barbie across all of our brands and many more that are in the works that we haven't been announced yet. But, but certainly Hot Wheels, which is also at, at Warner Brothers, uh, and with J.J. Abrams, uh, Rock'em Sock'em Robots um, at Universal with Vin Diesel. We've got a Polly Pocket movie, Lena Dunham and Lily Collins, and and the list goes on. And so we think we're, you know, we have this wonderful moment. We have this this IP that um, has built-in awareness and brand affinity, and we're just very excited about about what's to come. I mean, certainly Barbie. Um, you know, not every movie will be at the scale of Barbie, certainly, but um, so much potential in all of those. And really, the mandate uh, for Mattel Films um, is really just create really good quality films that people want to watch. Mattel, we know how to sell toys. We do that very well. And in success, good things happen. You know, our movie line, uh, you know, is is performing very, very well. People people love all of the um, the dolls that represent the characters in the film. 
Um, but first and foremost, it's about creating really quality content and, and our Mattel Films division run by Robbie Brenner, Academy Award nominated Robbie Brenner is doing just that. And have you seen the the, the knock-on effect with sales yet or do you have to wait for your quarterlies for, for that to come through? What How can you measure the success there? Yeah, yeah, we do have to wait for the quarterlies on that. Obviously, the, the film came out um, globally on um, July 21st. The movie line um, has been performing you know, extremely well. We can, we can say that, selling out uh, uh, all, all yeah. around the, the world where it is it's being sold. And, um, and so we're, we're pleased about that. And also, you know, introducing or reintroducing Barbie to a new generation of fans and really recontextualizing the Barbie brand for a new generation of fans, um, which is something that, you know, we've been able to do with the, with the genius of, of Greta Garwick's film here. And you mentioned 165 consumer brand partnerships. Tell us how that works and tell us what's there's, you know, what's in it for brands partnering with a, a property like Barbie? And, and uh, you know, there's a lot of marketers and communicators listening to this. Tell us what the USP is and how those partnerships stack up and, and, and roll out. Oh, of course. You know, you know, Barbie, you know, even before the movie, obviously, have had and has had a number of really wonderful um, partnerships um, on the consumer products front for specifically for the movie, everything from Bloomingdale's to Zara to nail polishes to, um, you know, accessory, other accessories. Um, it runs the gamut. And, and it's been wonderful to see our consumer product partners, you know, the windows at Bloomingdale's, the, the videos that we've seen on social media of fans uh, getting to, you know, stores as soon as the Barbie products put out and, and just basically taking the shelves bare and, 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 you know, just really, really all of our partners getting in on the fun and enjoying the joy of the film. Yeah. Now enough of this Barbie stuff. What myself and Frank really want to know is what's the strategy for Ken? Ryan Gosling, oh obviously, gosh. you know, did a great job in the film. Yeah, I mean, there's there's so much about this film that we could talk about the the entire length of the podcast about, but it's um, the film and the narrative, and certainly there's such a wonderful moment for Ken and the multiplicity of Kens, and you know, the one thing that one of the many things that we're very proud about in the film is the inclusivity and 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 the cast and in all the different Kens and Barbies, and we're hoping that um, you know, as I said, it inspires and recontextualizes the. The, the brands for for a whole new generation and ken did ken does have his moment he does indeed yes and uh frank you have you seen the film i i have not seen the film i've i've heard a lot about it though right. uh yeah sorry he's more of an oppenheimer guy i well yeah yeah i, I did <laughs> have to cop to that one yeah um, a lot of people have been going to see that yeah. going to see that double, double yeah, feature I, yeah no i've heard all good things though well it is a big <laughs> The, the movie's a big party and everybody's invited, Frank. Yeah, you know, that's the best I was going to say. That's the best thing about this. It's a fun. It's fun. And we all need a bit of fun in this world, don't we? There's been too much seriousness and everybody had each other's throats. And um, it, it just, I think that really hit, hit a chimed with people too, you know, just in being able to go out, have fun, enjoy something. And, uh, but, you know, and also but still make statements. So it was, it was terrific. It does. It does. You know, we've, 
we've called it a big, bold comedy with heart. You know, it's about everything from self-discovery and empowerment, fashion, music. I mean, we haven't even talked about the soundtrack, mm. but it's not only the film was not only a, a magnet for for actor talent, but for some of the greatest musical artists of a generation. And so it's it's really been a cultural moment. Yeah. And just to finish up, Catherine, was there one moment or one thing that happened where you thought, wow, this is just incredible. You know, this has really gone beyond what we our expectations or something that was just really meaningful to you in, in the whole process? Um, I think seeing the depth of the messages in the movie and how it's resonated with so many different audiences. I mean, people, people talking really deeply about the messages in the film just means a lot. And I think, you know, for me, last summer, when those first paparazzi images, we had only, or we, Warner Brothers had only released two official photos from production. One of Margot Robbie is Barbie, one of Ryan Gosling is Ken. And then you started to see the images of from um, the Venice Beach roller uh, rollerblading scene. And those basically melted the internet last summer. And so we knew, you know, really at that moment is when things really started kicking into to high gear and just didn't let up. And so that was that was a real indicator that we had something super special on our hands. Yeah. And the power of social as well, which we'll talk about a bit later. So great to chat to you about that, Catherine. And we'll get your input on some of these stories that we're going to pick up on now. Frank, we unveiled our 40 Under 40 class of 2023 this week. It's always a great list and one of our favorite events of the year, isn't it? And uh, what stood out for you this year? It's a really good list as it is every year. I think this year, uh, really especially strong group uh, from the agency side. You know, you have Margot Edelman on the list, Rob Longert, who has uh, won several PR Week awards at Day One Agency. Uh, you have a number of other very, very strong people from the agency world. And you have a lot of really good brands represented, too, like Mira Patney from Semaphore, the new media brand, uh, Janelle Pana Bianco from uh, Papa John's International. Uh, we have other great brands like uh, Archer and OK Cupid. Michael Kay is on the list uh, and other companies like Ford Motor. And it's, it's a great list as always, but I think especially strong this year from the agency side. Yeah, and uh, the list came out on Monday and it was buzzing around social media, especially LinkedIn, actually. Everyone was putting up uh, notices. The companies were creating little pieces of marketing from their press kits and putting it out there and everyone was engaging with it. Catherine, you're a 40 under 40 alum. Did it uh, change your life or your career or do, what are your memories of being on the uh, list? It's always a good party, isn't it? It's a great party. It's great honor, great recognition. And again, um, yeah, great list is every year. And I was very proud to be part of it a couple of years ago. And, and it is it is great recognition. It's it's a milestone for people in their in their careers and um, and, and quite an honor to be to be included among among that list. Yeah, well, really, really well deserved. talent. And um, we will be celebrating on 26th of October in New York City. So that's always a fantastic night. Great group. But this year, we're, when we put out the feature, as it's our 25th anniversary in the US PR weeks, we're going to do a little family tree of 40 under 40 alum. Uh, 40 people from the last, uh, we, it launched first in 2007. So we're going to pull out 40 of those and make a little family tree uh, activation. I'll be in, uh, it'll be online. It'll be in our special print 
celebration edition. It'll be at our party at Sotheby's, this 25th anniversary party on September 21st. It'll be at PR Decoded, and we'll have them on display at the 25th PR Week Awards as well, along with some other great family trees of uh, companies like GE, the LeGrant Foundation, 25 alumni for its 25 years. Every person who's ever worked on PR Week, hopefully, although I'm sure we'll have missed one or two out. And uh, White House Press press Secretaries, uh, a great little piece that Frank put together. So look out for those. Look out for the list. If you haven't seen it yet, there'll be write-ups of those individuals nearer to the event in October. Always a fun event. Always um Really uh, great vibe in the room. Let's talk about Aaron Gentry, Frank, long-standing um, leader at SJR, which was formerly part of Hill and Knowlton, and then part of was always part of WPP. But she's moved on. That's right. Bit of a surprise move as she moves on to the big independent marketing agency acronym. She's going to be the COO there. Uh, she moved over uh, this month. Uh, she's been at WPP for 17 years, most recently serving as president of North America and chief client officer of Group SJR. Um, so uh, SJR has not said yet how they are going uh, to replace her. But of course, that is the firm that was divested from Hill and Knowlton Strategies in 2018, uh, operating independently as of the year after that. And they have worked with clients, including Toyota, Amgen and NBC Universal. Yeah, uh, good luck to Erin and uh, in her new role. But um, after a long run at SJR, uh, keep sticking on the agency beats, uh, Anero, the holding company. I think they're Australian based, but they do um, include Hotwire, uh, the PR firm, as part of their uh, portfolio. They put out their full year financials, didn't they, Frank? How, how did they do? Disappointing earnings from Anero. Um- they are down in terms of organic revenue 9% in the 12 months uh, that ended as of June 30. Now, uh, they are citing what they're calling challenging macro conditions, and this does line up. A lot of their shops are very tech-focused. This does line up with uh, big layoffs and marketing spending cuts by technology giants, um, some of which have announced major redundancy programs and reorganizations. So uh, they are looking forward to what they're calling a begin to return to more normalized trading in 2024. Yeah, that's a good point. It's a good indicator of the tech sector and obviously being impacted by that. So, uh, yeah, hopefully they'll pick up um, as tech recovers. Catherine, what, which agencies do you use? Um, and I guess you use a bunch of different ones, certainly in your role uh, on the corporate side and then on more on the branding side. Do you have a, a one holding company approach at, at Mattel or do you have a bunch of different uh, suppliers? We do have a few. Um, we have a few different ones for different reasons on financial communications front, Edelman Smithfield, of course, on the issues in uh, societal issues in crisis um, and brand, uh, our team at Weber Shandwick, and then, you know, smaller boutique needs as as they come up. Um, but, you know, certainly just to, to pause for a moment on the societal issues, I mean, on the crisis front, I think, you um, you know, I definitely lean on, you know, outside support uh, to help us with with deep thinking and expertise on those issues. And um, it's been very, very valuable uh, in the past couple of years when when our businesses and brands have been facing more and more of a need in that area for real good thinking. Yeah, it's top of mind, isn't it, for every communications lead in-house is how 
how you're going to um, respond or how what your strategy is going to be when you get involved in societal issues, which ev- every brand is going to at some point. And, um, you know, Mattel is, is no exception there. It's, it, it's a very tricky line to navigate, isn't it? It is. You know, and 10, 15 years ago, companies weren't looked to, nor did consumers or stakeholders really want to hear from companies on their opinions on these types of issues. And now it's it's table stakes. And as brands and companies that live by their missions and values, it's important to get behind those. Um, and stakeholders from from all walks are are keen to know where, what your position is. So we take it we take it very very seriously. Yeah, Edelman's Trust Barometer does note that, doesn't it? That there's a gap in trust in governments and in other institutions and uh, businesses being invited to step up. In fact, people want them to, uh, not least on an employee engagement basis. And I think. Uh, COVID really sort of exacerbated that. And it's good, but it does come with extra responsibilities, right? You have a lot of CEOs with formerly have said, yeah, look, we're here to run a business and make profit. We, it's not our job to save save the world or or, or decide how the, how the countries run. But now, you know, businesses is one of the most trusted institutions. So, yeah, but but navigating that, as we know, and, and we've sp- spoken about many times on this show, is, is very difficult. Um, so, and that kind of brings us on to social media, Frank. We're going to chat about, thread, about X, but uh, let's start with Threads, the um, spin-off from Instagram that... Uh, Mark Zuckerberg sort of brought to market with an incredible launch, and then it's sort of tapered a little bit. How how are they trying to reinvigorate the, that all that initial enthusiasm and, and get get the platform back uh, top of mind again? I'd say it, it more than tapered a bit. I'd say uh, so. We when I was out, there was a great headline that I can't take credit for uh, on PR Week saying the honeymoon phase is over for threats. And I, I would agree with that when you look at the numbers. And there are some really good statistics in this article about how uh, daily active users um, using Android peaked at 576,000 on August 7th. Uh, and that's down 79% from its best day on July 7th. So that's a huge drop. And if you look at what brands are doing, uh, a few were cited in here, you know, Wendy's is posting less and they've said they're going to take a look at interactivity and how much traffic their posts are getting on threads when they decide how much attention to pay for uh, pay to it. And, and Wendy's is posting less than they were uh, a month ago, too. They're kind of a barometer on social media just because of how successful they've been on Twitter. That's a clubhouse style decline, isn't it? Kind 76%, of is. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, kind of is. So... Uh, on the other hand, uh, Meta is rolling out several features for Threads, web version, uh, not just mobile, um, and various other things that people have been asking for. You know, users want hashtags. They want other sorts of integration with Instagram and things like that. So, uh, you know, the story isn't over yet, and it's something that we're going to have to continue to check on, uh, especially as it pertains to how brands are showing up on threads and how they're interacting with users there. Yeah, I think one of the problems for Clubhouse was it was scaling up. It had the same scaling challenges, but it was a startup. So it didn't have any legacy to build on, whereas obviously 
Threads has got Instagram. It's got the meta, the muscle behind it. Lots of developers, lots of uh, people to throw at it. So I think they realize that. And even even with that muscle, they're still having to work hard to keep up with the demand. And uh, they are going to have a few features. I think they 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 promised to um, prioritize uh, custom partner content, which is interesting. And we we spoke about that. Let's um, find out what... X is doing because clearly the two are often talked about together. People, one of the reasons people embraced Threads was that they uh, wanted a, a nicer place, frankly, to hang out than than what X had become. So, um, but there's a few developments there as they usually are. One of the big developments there is is that Elon Musk confirmed that X still takes a little bit of getting used to saying X and formerly Twitter, known as formerly known as Twitter is going to take away the blocking feature. And uh, a lot of people have a lot of hesitation about this. And it's been reported out there that, that brands and, and advertisers have a lot of concerns about this as well. Um, you know, anti-bullying advocates have said this is not a great idea. It's not good for especially women users who tend to get harassed more than men do. So uh, I don't think that move is exactly going to make XA What's the rationale for it, Frank? Well, it, it's kind of a very techie explanation that, that the powers that be at X seem to think muting is just better or more effective. Uh, their CEO, Linda Yaccarino, has said there's more to come here, uh, basically, when she's been asked about it uh, on Twitter and how, or on X, excuse me. There have also been changes in that a lot of users are not able to use TweetDeck like they were before, which is a tough move for super users, marketing people, social media professionals, uh, folks like that. Journalists. Yeah. And it's um, so it's not making it an easier or friendlier place to be, certainly. And they've also made some changes to the way news content and articles are presented, yeah. haven't they? Which will will impact um, a lot of media organisations. I, I think it will, and I also think this is a bad move for for various reasons because it's it's going to a lot because they are going to take the display of the headline and part of the editorial content out of the post. It's going to make it easy for people to post a link, which will show a picture, and then explain what's in the article any way they want to. So it will only lead to more disinformation or, um, you know, misinformation on the platform. Yeah, no, that's a curious uh, strategy. Catherine, obviously, these channels are incredibly powerful, right? All these social media channels, every marketer, every communicator has to be across them, know what uh, works for their audiences, take a view on where they hang out, because where your brand hang out, hangs out sort of uh, reflects on you. How have you approached that at Mattel in terms of the changes at Twitter stroke X and, and the rise of threads, which is a happier place where, you know, maybe the Barbie sort of brand would, would feel more comfortable than maybe on X with its toxicity. Yeah, I mean, obviously we um, we do a ton of, uh, of social across our brands, um, very in touch with the consumers and in, in the communities on all of those um, and and really just watching what the fans want to do and, and talk about and stoking that engagement. You know, we're, we were talking and it made me think of, um, you know, the Barbie style uh, handle on social, which sort of animates um, the bar- our Barbies and puts them in, in different settings and, and 
tied to different cultural moments. And so um, we're really just always listening to the consumer. And for us, you know, we always put our consumer in the frame of, of fans. You know, once you realize your consumers are fans, it, it puts it in the right frame and in and, and terms of stoking that engagement. So we're, you know, obviously customizing across all those different all those different platforms and and being mindful of of what we post and what people want to discuss did you have to make a call on x on whether you you know what you did on there whether you stayed there uh what was the you know where's the tipping point if you like it seems to me like not being able to block users that's quite a big that's a big i i I struggle to see how that can be a good thing, but hey, maybe I'm missing something. But how do you uh, how do you sort of approach that at Mattel? Yeah, I mean, I think we're always, you know, our, our social teams, our media teams are always um, paying close attention and and seeing how how things are changing, and this is an ever changing area. And we just are always very mindful of of how our brands show up and how we represent ourselves there and, and what consumers are, are wanting from us. So it's um, a state of constant change and um, trying to stay ahead of it. Is TikTok really the sort of the place where everyone hangs out now in, in a certain demo anyway? In a certain demo. I, I, I don't know if you hang out there or not, Steve, but um, a lot of our a lot of our it's fans... Not my, it's not my first port of call, but <laughs> and I'm slightly older than the average Barbie fan, I think. Yeah, no, um, <laughs> we did launch uh, Barbie on TikTok last year. Great success and other brands. So um, we want to show up where our consumers want to enjoy us and, and celebrate with us. And so that's what we'll continue to watch and, and do. Well, I should say the AARP is on Twit on uh, TikTok, so you know there is some something for me. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> All right. On that note, uh, thank you, Catherine. It's been great to catch up with you, and um, just amazing to see what's been going on at Mattel, and uh, you know continued success with it. Thank Look you. forward to the other films coming out, the other franchises. Great chat. So thanks for joining us. Thank you both for having me, Frank. I know what your double feature is going to be this weekend. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) All right. Now, I mentioned the 25th anniversary party. That's at Sotheby's on the 21st of September in New York City. It's invite only. But, uh, hey, you can only ask and uh, see if there's any spaces available. We've got PR Decoded and the Purpose Awards in Chicago. Again, that's on the 11th and 12th of October with the Purpose Awards on the evening of the first day. The uh, 40 Under 40, as I mentioned, 26th of October in New York. And do not forget the big Oscars of PR, the 25th PR Week Awards. Get your entries in. I hope to see some Mattel and Barbie entries this year. Catherine, you've won uh, awards before, but, I mean, you must have a decent chance. The first deadline is the 29th of September and the ceremonies in New York next March. So really looking forward to it. But uh, that's all we got time for. We'll see you next time on the PR Week. <laughs>